Hi, you are listening to Bossy Bitches with Lisa Schenker and Jules Dumay. And Jules is actually off uh, this week, so we have with us a special guest. Or with us, with me, a special guest, Lisa Easton. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Lisa. Uh, and so we are going to confuse you so that you do not know which Lisa is speaking at any moment. Um, so this week we are talking about the uh, new Denis Villeneuve movie called Sicario. Uh, which I had to look up how to pronounce his name because I know it as <laughs> Deacon's movie, Sicario. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Lisa Eastham. Yeah, my soul playing husband. Or yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the movie has actually been out uh, in wide release since the beginning of October, and I just managed to get to see it yesterday. Lisa, I assume that you got on it right away. Like, I did not, actually. No. Because I had been on vacation. And, oh, that's right. Okay. And then I came back, and I was really sick when I got back from vacation. So I kind of fell behind on my entire life. But I, I have seen it I can't now. believe this. I cannot I know. believe what I'm hearing. I know. It just was like a mess. It was a mess. So. And that's then when, okay. you get, when you get unsick, you now have 50,000 things that you didn't right. do. So. Right. But, but I have seen it now. So. Okay. Well, and it was a good reward for you for getting through all of that turmoil. Yeah. You get to go see yeah. the movie. Oh, I know um, you've been feeling bad, so let's watch this completely Yeah, bleak. it's such a positive and uplifting kind of a story. That yeah, <laughs> I felt what like... What a great reward I felt for really yourself. inspired. Like, I wanted to just run a marathon. I'm so inspired. Yeah. So the movie, for those who are un- unfamiliar, which um, I hope there's not very many of you who are unfamiliar with it, it's uh, Emily Blunt stars as an FBI agent uh, who's drawn into... We'll call it an investigation. There is not much investigating happening. Right. Um, with, and it's all about the, the war on drugs, basically. So in the Southwest, uh, drugs are being brought into Arizona and there's, um, a lot of cartel activity and there's a lot of horror around the cartel activity. Um, the incredible violence in, uh, Ciudad Juarez, um, and how that spills over across the border. Um, it also stars, um, excuse me, Benicio <laughs> Del Foro and Josh Brolin. Um, are these these two men involved in that air quotes investigation that she becomes embroiled in? Uh, it's a very very dark, very bleak, very violent movie. Um, I was a, a guy at work went to see it a couple of weeks before I did, and he came over and you know was like, "Are you going to go see this?" And I'm like, "Of course I am." Yeah. And he was like, "Okay, you need to make sure that there's like a puppy or a kitten or something that you can play with afterward. Yeah, like it's maybe dark. take a shower after the movie because it's horrible." Like, you'll walk out of it just despairing for humanity. And I was like, oh, okay. I, Thinking he's exaggerating. No, he was pretty much spot on. I mean, it, yeah, it is essentially a morality tale is what it is. Yeah. I mean, it is a drug cartel movie, which is not my, like, favorite genre of movie. It's mm-hmm. not really, like, a movie I would have... This is not a movie I would have naturally gone to scene had it not been for the people that were involved in making it. Right. But, yeah, it is essentially a morality tale that makes you hate everything. (laughs) Yes. Everything and everyone. You know, I haven't seen a lot of, uh, mostly what I've seen in reactions to the movie are just what an incredible movie Mm -hmm. it is. Like what a well-made movie. Um, And I haven't really seen a lot of critical response around, you know, the message of the movie or, you know, where it, where it, you know, what it reflects about our own um, drug culture and the war on drugs and, and law enforcement and immigration and racism. Um, which is kind of disappointing because I think it raises really interesting questions about yeah, all of those I think things. some of the things are hard to talk about without spoiling yeah. some of the big moments in the movie. That's true. There are big moments in the movie that, I mean, really take your breath away with how horrifying it is. Well, I was, I said on Twitter, 
90% of the movie, I felt like I was on the verge of a panic yeah. attack. I mean, it it's what it's probably the most intense movie I've ever seen. I I oh. uh, literally like my shoulders were so tense. Like the yeah. first part of the movie, okay, fine, but once it's like once they have that first um thing on the bridge when they're leaving Juarez and there's mm-hmm. like the guys in the cars and everything, that's where the tension really started for me. And then from then on, my shoulders were so tight, my back hurt when I left the movie theater. Because yeah. I was just like... <gasps> I I walked out feeling like I was vibrating. Yeah. Like the release of the tension. And it's not even a release. It was just the movie was over and I could finally let myself relax yeah. a little bit. And I, I literally walked out like physically feeling the after effects of two hours of just like every muscle in my body is so tight. Um, really, and I felt like when I came out of it, I actually did, it's one of those movies where you, you feel like you've come out of it a different person for the experience, yeah. right? Because it was so intense. And, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, um, because I want people to, uh, to see it for themselves. But, uh, there are, one of the most powerful things for me was, it's nominally the story of Emily right. Blunt, right? She is sort of, like, the audience surrogate in this story, um, and one of the ways in which that becomes really powerful, I thought, is that she has so very little choice. In yeah, anything she's just that happens. kind of along for the um, ride in a presented, lot of ways. She's, yeah. Yeah. She's initially presented mm-hmm. with a choice, um, which is not really a choice at all. We know what she's going to say before she says it. Like, there was never any other outcome for her. And then at every point thereafter, there there are no choices for her, even when she's told that she's presented with some. Um, it's, she has to do this thing or she's dead or she has to do this thing or someone else is dead. And sometimes she has to do this thing and someone else is dead anyway. Um, like there's, there's no escape for it. And she has very little power within it, which I thought was really, really interesting. I think this is definitely Um, a movie that succeeds or fails based on Emily Blunt's performance in a lot of ways. And to a certain extent, mm -hmm. Benicio Del Toro as well. But for the first, you know, two thirds of the movie, it really is on her to carry this movie. And it's such a, a really interesting, yeah. quiet performance in that there's not a great yeah. deal of dialogue in certain scenes that it's just her observing and watching what's going on and like trying to learn about these other people and the situation that she's been put in mm-hmm. and it, and you see it all in her face. And if you didn't have an actor of Emily yeah. Blunt's caliber, it would have been like, Ugh, I don't care. Like I'm bored or whatever, but she's so powerful and she's such a good screen presence. That you're like, okay, I'm I'm on you. I'm with you this whole way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, and I I think what was really interesting for me yeah. is that it's a female character. Um, because I think uh, there's, there's an actual scene in the movie where this is, like, made manifest. Where um, these kinds of things can happen for a female character that they wouldn't necessarily happen for a male character, um, because we would... Yeah, the thing with Shane from Walk- The Walking Yes, Dead. yes. Oh, yeah, John Barenthal shows up, John and Barenthal. I was kind of like, oh! And then I was very quickly disabused of any excitement that I should have about John Barenthal showing up. Yeah. Um, but... And it- then it was like, I knew I couldn't trust you, Shane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anytime he pops up, I feel bad for the guy, because he'll never be able to play a good guy in anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's never going to happen. Great, great actor. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, very... Zombie he does it so well, though. I don't really mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he can build a really great career on the types of characters that he's played thus far. Uh, so, but what was really interesting for me was um, there was a passivity to her um, that mm-hmm. I think it comes entirely from being a woman in this 
in this world that she's in. Um, because I am now trying to remember if there's another woman in the movie. Not really. There, Not, like the only woman really in the movie is the wife of the cop in Mexico, mm-hmm. the Maximiliano, Maximiliano Hernandez's character. Oh, he's so great. Has a wife. Yeah. yeah. He's really great. But, and um, he has a wife, but she doesn't really have a character arc. Yeah, there's no so, there's no progression to her character. There's very little presence to her character as well. I think she only has a couple of lines. And then there are some silent women um, right. in the backgrounds of scenes and in, in group in crowd things. But yeah, Emily Blunt is literally the only woman who exists on the U.S. side. Like, there just are no other women. And so I think, like, there was a really interesting thing about her character. Um, She wants to know what's happening, and she's very frustrated that she's not being told things, but she does not... She is not actively trying to find out these things, right? She asks Mm -hmm. the question, and she gets shut down, and she shuts down. Um, And it takes another... It takes a man to walk up and and demand answers um, for her to find out these things, and she just kind of goes with that. And I thought that was really interesting. I... I know a lot of, I've seen some reaction um, from, not critics, but audience, uh, that they're frustrated by that. But I found it to be really true to life because the life that she lives, that's the kind of attitude she needs to take, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to survive in a man's world unless you learn how to, how and when to defer to men. Um, Right. So I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. What I liked about it is that it wasn't a blatant message. It was kind of just rolling underneath of it Mm -hmm. because in other movies it would have been she's the only girl in this group of this large group of men on this task force or whatever and it would have been men making snarky comments about her being a woman or being Mm -hmm. a girl and none of that ever came into play and it was yes she was an outsider in this big group but it was because she was new she's fbi she doesn't know the case you know, it was all these yeah. other reasons that she was the outsider and they were not pinning it on her because she's a woman. But yeah. But then conversely, the way that she acted and the way she dealt with situations was very much like, you know, I'm a woman put in this situation. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of an interesting way that they showed that. It was more subtle than it would have been in an other movie. Yeah. So. You know, that actually is something that I really enjoyed about the movie is the subtlety. I mean, it's... It, not an entirely subtle movie. Right. <laughs> it's very in your face and it's very obvious at times. But, um, and back again, you mentioned, um, like dialogue and exposition. It's really light on exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, it lets you uncover things like as they unfold in the movie. There's no, there's never a moment, like nobody has a big speech. Uh, nobody is like, there's no pontificating. There's no, uh, moralizing happening. Yeah. I, um, like I actually... in your face. I saw a thing with a, a quote about the movie about Benicio del Toro's character and how there was like 90% more dialogue in the script that his character has. And mm-hmm. then they realized while they were like rehearsing it and shooting it that uh, del Toro and uh, Villanueva was like, you know what? We don't need him explaining his story every 10 minutes right. or like introducing himself to Emily Blunt and saying, and this is my backstory, like 15 minutes into the movie right. that it worked better that she didn't know what he was about and that it just slowly unfolded and which it really yeah. did. It really, it makes That's a big, a fantastic it makes such make. a huge impact because this character he's playing actually seems he's very tough, but he's very tender in moments. Mm-hmm. Throughout the movie, he's very tender towards Emily Blunt in particular, but he, and he seems very kind. But the more that you get of his story, the more you see this very dark side to him. Yeah, and it, it works great. You know, I, 
And then I think what's really interesting is no one is presented with any backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we only very slowly get Alejandro's story. Um, we don't know anything about uh, Matt, who's played by uh, Josh Brolin. Um, we don't really know that much about uh, Emily Blunt's character or her partner. Like, we we meet these people in their positions in, you know, within this task force, within this investigation, again, the air yeah. quotes. Um, and, and all we need to know about them is who they are in this moment. Right. Right. Um, until we need to learn something about Alejandro that sort of sets up, you know, like you said, going from this sort of mysterious but tender person to, you know, what is revealed about his character. Um, and I, I think it's really effective. Again, back to the, like, very little exposition, which I just craved, um, it's so great to see a story that trusts that the audience is going to be confused until they need to not right. be confused. Um, like it was just, it felt really natural. Um, it felt like, it almost felt like, like watching a play where, you know, things happen and you don't necessarily need to know, <laughs> you know, why these yeah. things are happening. I mean, especially, they are. I mean, I feel like I've been around the block a few times. I've seen movies. Mm-hmm. I don't need it to be dumbed down and it <laughs> like I yeah. get it. Like I'm, I get what I'm watching, and and like the actual what they're working on, and is so secondary to what these characters go mm-hmm. through morally and emotionally. So I don't need yeah. I don't need 25 and- minutes of them talking about like we're gonna go across here and we're gonna go down this street, we're gonna go down this cave. Right. I don't need it. Just give me the basics. I yeah, just let me see it. I don't need you to broadcast in advance you know, every step of the process. Like, let me actually watch the movie happen. Uh, One, there was a piece of dialogue that I, like, I I retain very little dialogue after watching a movie unless I make a note. And I I did not take notes while I was watching this movie. I was so, so into it that I just could not. I was on Twitter uh, initially in the beginning because it kind of slowed down in a part. Um, But then once it picked up, I was on it for the the ride. But there was one line um, where... uh, Jeffrey Donovan's character, I don't even remember his name, Steve, maybe. Um, he's in it very little. Too little. We the, we always need more Jeffrey Donovan, but yeah. Yes, always. Oh, the way he's introduced also as a character was so fantastic. Like, hilarious. Um, <laughs> and he's got a fantastic... <laughs> it's a great... Yeah, and he's got a great mustache, so... <laughs> yeah, oh. I think, I think the best mustache I've seen this year, honestly. I, I kind of agree, um, yeah. <laughs> but he, there's a line as they're driving to, through Juarez and they see... Uh, headless bodies strung up under a bridge. Um, and these are retribu- These are killings done by the cartel um, as intimidation and as retribution. We don't know anything about, you know, and nobody, this isn't part of, this isn't anything anybody's interested in investigating. This is just what is happening here. And as they're driving through it, and Emily Blunt, this is the first time she's seen it and she's horrified. And you get the sense that she's not aware of anything that's happening outside of her um, jurisdiction, right. right? Like she's only focused on her job and in her location and everything outside of it is sort of, you know, doesn't exist. So this is her first uh, entree into this world. And he says, um, oh, it's so smart what they do. You know, they kill these people and everybody just assumed, oh, it's so smart. But he does not, like, it felt like a really natural, like, line of dialogue. Like, that sounded like an actual person would say. Um, There wasn't, like, this belabored point that he was trying to make. He wasn't going into a lot of detail. He wasn't giving a lot of context. It was just like unbidden coming out of his mouth. Like I felt like that was something that that character in that moment would actually have done. 
Um, and that was indicative, I think, of the dialogue throughout the movie. Like, it, all of it felt very, yeah, very natural. Yeah, I think uh, Villeneuve in particular and in the other films of his that I've seen, and I really want to get a hold of the movies he made in Canada before he started making U.S. films, um, mm-hmm. is he trusts the, he trusts everyone that he hires to do their job yeah. to the best uh, level. Like, he trusts the actors to convey what they need to convey, and he trusts my friend Roger Deakins to film things and to visualize what he's putting out there in a way that, you know, like you talked about the visual of the hanging bodies. You don't need to talk about it. It's such a crazy mm-hmm. visual. And, and there's a lot of that in, and the moments even when the guy takes Emily Blunt to the roof and she sees the explosions in Juarez across the border and the gunfire and you hear it. And it's, it's so well told. Like, he trusts everyone to do their job. He trusts Emily Blunt to say what she needs to say with her face, not with words. You know, he trusts Benicio Del Toro. You know instantly that this is a man who doesn't, you do not mess with. The moment he walks in the room, you know what he's about in that respect. Yeah. There was a really, I found it really interesting that you and I both read the characters very tender toward Emily Blunt, but there's this air of menace that he carries with him. Absolutely. Um, yeah, which I, it, it's so effective. I think it's, uh, I've heard people say this is the best thing he's done since. In a very uh, long time. Yeah. yeah, since Traffic. And I think, I think this is the best he's ever done, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I've, I have a Benicio Del Toro situation. So I've seen just about everything he's in. And I really, I really think this is the best. Like, yeah, this I think is the it's, best acting I've ever seen from him. It's, it's so, it's so subtle. But yeah. It's so incredible. Like. And it's very quiet. Like yeah. he he can be really bombastic, um, but it's a very quiet role. It's... Yeah, he can he has done some very over the top stuff in his career, but yeah. <laughs> this is not it. This is very 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 good. It, it, it yeah, reminds you, you what a great actor he really is. Ever had any kind of a Benicio del Toro situation? I mean, he is the Puerto Rican Brad Pitt. So, <laughs> you know, there were a couple of moments in this movie where I thought he... I need him and Leonardo DiCaprio to play brothers. I kind of get that as well. Especially because like, they showed the Revenant trailer before right, the movie. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I get it. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they need to play brothers. I'm putting that out there right now. The Bossy Bridges edict to Hollywood. Get that casting going immediately. Um, so there was something I found, uh, and we'll talk about Deacon some more, because he just, he has this way of shooting like an, these open exteriors, which is just completely beyond anything I think anybody else is doing. Yeah. Um, like there's a magic to the way he frames a shot that, that is really kind of severely lacking in, in every other movie I watch basically. Um, he, but there was a, there was a shot. Uh, so they, part of what's <coughs> happening with this task force is they find, um, a tunnel that the cartel is using to bring drugs in, um, into the U S right. So it's a tunnel, um, hidden out in the desert. Uh, and so they discover, and there's this really phenomenal sequence where uh, that's shot uh, with uh, night vision mm-hmm. and heat cameras. And it's, it sounds like it could be really hokey. Like you, like hearing about it beforehand, I was like, Oh my God. Like all I could think about was Tron. <laughs> like it was going to be this like really artificial looking and it, it is not, it's, it, it's really yeah. phenomenal. Um, I'm just going to keep saying phenomenal because that's the only word there is. And you know, they, and it was something that they, they shot it in camera. It was not a digital effect. They really shot in a thermal cam, 
in a thermal camera. They really shot in night vision. And it, uh, you mm-hmm. know, there's an interview on Variety with Deacons where he talks about, like, they mentioned Zero Dark Thirty, and it was like, but Zero Dark Thirty was something they added later. A lot uh-huh. of it. So they're like, no, we wanted yeah. to shoot it very much in that. And you can yeah. feel it. Like, you can feel that it's it's practical and not, a, like, a special effect done in a computer somewhere. Like, um, because the bodies move so mm-hmm. naturally. There's always that artificiality, I think, to um, computer-generated effects. No matter how realistic they look, there's always just something in your brain that says those aren't real people yeah. moving. Um, but you can, you, can, you can actually feel the difference in this. Uh, there's a shot as when, uh, I think Benicio Del Toro is the first one. In yeah, he's the, the one with the thermal camera. Come- so... Right. But this is reversed on him. So you see him coming in and it's a natural camera. And so he is framed in the opening of this tunnel. So it's all black around him. And then you see behind him the night sky and beautiful soldiers. And at that moment, I realized that I was not watching like a cartel movie. Like this was not a law enforcement movie. This wasn't even a military movie. This Mm -hmm. was a Western, like in the style of, I mean, because that's a classic John Ford framing technique. Um, The searchers opens with that with that scene um, where the woman is stepping out of the farmhouse as John Wayne rides up and she's framed in black and there's this brilliant blue sky beyond her. And I was just like, holy shit. Like that completely changed the frame yeah. of the movie for me because it then it becomes like this old school Western style of a story. And then everything sort of clicked into the into well, place at that moment for me. And I just was like, like I wanted to be like Deacon in the, well, you know, the theater. I, I, if you think about it, and it kind of all ties into other times that Roger Deakins has shot movies with Josh Brolin, mm-hmm. which is like No Country for Old Men and yeah. True Grit. And if you kind of combine some of the ideas in those movies, you can apply them to this movie easily. Like you said, there's a Western, there's like, you know, this tension and everything, and it really works here. And and for me, like with Roger Deakins, there's nobody better at shooting darkness. Yeah than Roger Deakins because you see a lot of movies and you either get they shoot scenes at night where it's overblown and it's Mm -hmm. too bright or they're like let's shoot in darkness and it's just dark everything's gray everything's black it's too dark yeah Deakins finds the color and he finds the light in such natural and beautiful ways and like the scene you're talking about with that blue sky kind of behind him in the hole and is beautiful and, and when they're walking towards where the tunnel is where mm-hmm. it, like the sun is just barely down beautiful I mean, gorgeous hour, yeah and even when they're when they're at the bus station where they're like dividing the groups and trying to get information and it's completely black beyond the bus station and it's just the lights coming down from the overhang mm-hmm. gorgeous <laughs> it yeah it in in a deacon's movie the night sky like looks like velvet like mm-hmm he somehow manages to put into like visual terms like poetry like all of the overblown <laughs> poetry that you had to learn in high school and college where right. you're just like oh this guy never looks like that it actually looks like that in a deacon's movie it's 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 incredible um and the darkness that that he finds the color and he finds the life in darkness because uh, a lot of movies you watch, you can tell that they shot day for night, right? Yeah. So they put the filter over, um, and it's very obvious. Or you literally can't see anything. They just released the Jessica Jones trailer, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the night scenes in that, I literally have no idea what's happening because I can't <laughs> turn the brightness up on your TV, everyone. Even. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't watch. It. You have to watch it at night. You have to make sure your TV is tilted away from the window yeah. so that there's no light coming in. Um. But in a Deacons movie, I always trust that I'm I'm going to be able to to see it. I think he's 
you you say this every year, but um, the fact that he does not have an Oscar is just mind boggling. I mean, yeah, completely mind boggling. He he's the greatest living cinematographer. Yeah, and I understand he's been nominated twelve times, and maybe he shouldn't have twelve Oscars. Whatever, but <laughs> but the man should have at least one. And there are particular years that I am very angry about, but there's nothing I can do. <laughs> so yeah. I just, and I don't... Well, there is something you can do. You're on Bossy Bridges, and we have a lot of influence on Hollywood. So Oscar voters! The Academy voters who are listening right now, this, you need to get on like, this. You need to make I know your right. instinct is going to want to give it to Emmanuel Lubezki for The Revenant, but he has one already, so... He does. Yeah. Well, and obviously we haven't seen The Revenant yet, but... I mean, it looks um, incredible I, visually, I, so. I, I'm going to give it to to this movie over Yay! based on what I've seen from the trailer. Um, so it's a good thing that I have a vote. <laughs> and it's a very, very influential vote. That's right. <laughs> I, I hope he, um, think, yeah, I hope he so thinks I, us both in his speech when he wins. So. Okay. Maybe we could have a we could have that incredibly rare beast, the tie. There you go. We could give it to him both. Um, yeah, I just, like, it really is, obviously it's an honor to be nominated. And obviously everyone recognizes that the Deacons is... A major force, um, really, really talented, really skilled. I just think that he needs to get that friggin' piece of hardware to put Absolutely. on his mantle. Like he needs like, to be included in that list because twenty or thirty years from now, you know, if he's not on that list, is he going to be remembered? Do the way not he let be? this man get an honorary Oscar, please. No. Just let it. Just do it. Like I'll take it for anything. Get, like let yeah. him shoot a commercial and then give it to him. Just do it. <laughs> Maybe we maybe that's the maybe that's the solution. We need to help him get like these short form documentary job and like get him into every category that there's possible for him to be yeah, recognized it's in. Insanity to me. And then and oh just oh I'm so mad about it. I don't want to talk about life of pie. Yeah. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> every year, people, every year. Okay. All right. So everybody, you know, your mission is to get Deacons at Oscar. Um, so was there anything else you wanted to talk oh. about with Sicario? I, we have, I, I just really want to, there's one thing I want to make a point of, which is Emily Blunt. I don't know how she does it, but she has so much chemistry everyone. with everyone oh, she man. interacts with. Literally everyone. One of my friends, uh, Lindsay told me that, like, she even liked the Adjustment Bureau because Emily Blunt could have, would have chemistry with like yeah. a sack of flour. Like you, she would turn in a compelling performance against literally anything with a bed sheet. I would totally believe that she was like about yeah, to em- have sex yeah. with a bed sheet. She's Emily just Blunt so dynamic. Is, like, to me, is definitely one of the greatest, if not the greatest, of that of her generation because she's so skilled at everything mm-hmm. she does. The woman does comedy. The woman does musicals. She does action movies. She does drama. She can literally do everything. And when you talk about the chemistry, I'm mm. totally with you. We have not talked about her partner, uh, Reggie, which was Reggie, great. I yes. was like, I'm sitting there the whole time. Where do I know this actor from? Where do I know this actor from? And then it hit me. He was on Black Mirror. He did an episode of Black Mirror. He did mm-hmm. like the second episode of Black Mirror. And he's done a lot of British television and stuff. So Daniel Kalua is his name. And he was great, too. He was really great, yeah. and they were great together, and they had this really great, like, very comfortable relationship with each other, where he was just, like, show up at her house, and she's, like, walking around in her bra and her jeans. <laughs> like, it was no big deal. 
He's like eating yeah. fruit from her table. I'm like, oh. Yeah, there, and again, like, back to that, like, we don't need backstories because everything we need to know about their relationship is right on screen in front of us. Like, yeah, know, we know what their dynamic is. Um, and I thought that the opening sequence, uh, where they, they, the movie opens with they go on a raid, they're like a hostage negotiation or hostage rescue team. Um, and they uncover this absolutely horrific, uh, that, the, like, I can't even, like, I can't even describe, like... There are bodies in the walls, it was, is what you need to know. It was Everywhere. one of the most horrifying things. They go in thinking that there's hostages, and, and it turns out it's just a couple of guys and a bunch of recently plastered walls, and it it's a literal house of horrors. Like, it is perfectly suited for watching during the month of Halloween. Um, yeah. It was just absolutely horrific. Um, but, the, like, you can see what their dynamic is, even though, you mm-hmm. know, they have, there's just a little bit of interaction, there's not much dialogue, um, and you can see that they have, like, this sort of comfortable, um, relationship with each other, and then, like, we don't need to know how long they've been partners, we don't need to know anything about their personal lives, like, it just, I really liked feeling like they dropped me in at the beginning of this movie, and that these were all people who had lived lives to this point. Right. Yeah. And I was just sort of along with them for a couple of days. Um, and it, it, it felt very realistic. Like, um, like this is, if I were dropped in, like if I just materialized on this raid with them, um, and then followed them, like went on the same journey with them, it felt very much like that. Like, um, there wouldn't be like this heart to heart moment where they explain like, well, I've been your partner since 1994 and you know, yeah. um, we've really been through it together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just it. There's just an instant you get that they trust each other mm-hmm. as working people, but also as people. And the fact that you know Josh Brolin only wants her, but she just sort of drags him along and insists that he's there, and it's yes. like this is the person I trust and who has my back, and you're gonna bring him too. Yes, and there's a there's a, a level of uh, concern that he has for her because she's clearly in over her head. Yes, um, and I think they all can recognize it from from. From the get-go. Um, but, like, it, what I really appreciated was it didn't feel like... It, there was no, like, patriarchal aspect to it. There wasn't, like, a protectiveness. Like, right. he was concerned for her, and he knew that she was getting herself into um, a dangerous situation. Um, but he trusted, you know, that it was something that she could handle because he yeah. trusts her. Well, and even I at, it was just yeah. phenomenal. Even at the, at the end, before they go on the, like, last mission... And they go out to the car to get their tactical gear. And he's like, we're not going. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, I have to see this through. And he's like, okay, let's go. <laughs> he's like, you know, he kind of just, he's like, no, we, we shouldn't do this. But as soon as she says she has to do it, now he's got to be there with her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, it was, it was really great. And then there's a, there's a sequence in the middle where he tries to, um, he does try to give her a little bit of advice um, about her clothes. And yeah, her... it's funny. Her eyebrows, <laughs> which is really funny, and it, but it do, it didn't. I know, and I have seen reactions that it was like people were not appreciative of that that he was policing her appearance or whatever. But it really felt like a conversation a friend would have with another friend. Right, like you're in a place that's not healthy for you. Like you need to do something to step out of that place. And if you know, if it means dolling up a little bit, if it means going out and having fun loosening up maybe hooking up with this guy that i know who's really hot like it just felt like a very natural conversation yeah it didn't that, feel that two like friends and partners would have had. it didn't feel uncomfortable to me it just felt like that's a conversation you would have with a friend you know 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a conversation I have had with friends. Right. Like, that's not, it wasn't, yeah. So I really appreciated that aspect of it. Like, and like you said, there's a lot of stuff that happens underneath the movie um, that isn't really, like, explicit. Like, it's all meta um, themes. Um, they, aren't, they don't have to be talked about, which I think is really interesting. I have not stopped thinking about it since I saw it yesterday. Yeah, it's definitely I a movie mean, that will stay with you for a very long time. And it's and, in, and like I said, it's not that the story itself is all that original. Just the drug cartel stuff is not, like, I've, you know, I've seen this before in other movies. It's not... That's not what makes it a great movie. It's, I mean, all the technical aspects, of course, but it's the emotion and the, the morality story, because I don't think we've even really hit on it. The whole thing is that oh, yeah. Emily Blunt is very idealistic and very much wants to stay within the law and do the right thing, and that's that what her character is, deep to the core, to the core idealistic. And now she's been thrust mm-hmm. into this world where people are operating outside of the law and outside of the boundaries that she's so comfortable in and they're doing right. it like you're there you know they're telling her this is the way you have to get things done or it'll just get worse and it'll just stay as horrible as it is and there's even a scene where yeah. she goes later to victor garber we love victor garber obviously who yeah fantastic. he's always great and he's he has has this role in a lot of movies these days where he's He's the, you know, the boss that means well, but his hands are tied. <laughs> you know, that's kind of his character. Mm-hmm. And so he, she goes to her boss and, and he, she says, you know, all these things are happening and I don't, I can't operate this way. And he says, you know, these are the, the boundaries have changed. Yes. He's like that. It's not the way you think it is. He's like, these people are being ordered by people much higher than me who have been elected to office. He's like, so you either, you know, Go back to what you were doing before, or you learn to live outside these boundaries. Right. And it's it's such a great moment, because it just nails it right there. This is your choice. What do you do? Yeah. And it, well, and again, it's, it's a choice where we know, you know, there is only one choice for her to make. Like, right. You know, it's, it's presented as a choice, but it is not. There's, um, there is no way out of doing what needs to be done. And what I found really interesting was, um, like, I... I felt like the movie was saying a certain thing about the war on drugs that's never actually made explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wonder if it's because, because it's not made explicit. I wonder if um, other people are coming out of the movie, maybe thinking that it's saying the opposite of what I think it was saying. Um, and I, there was, there's just a lot of ambiguity in the movie itself. Right. And I just, again, I really appreciate that after, cause I've, I always appreciate a movie that, thinks of its audience as uh, capable of understanding um, what's happening without having to have their hand held mm-hmm. the entire time. Um, and things that leave leave room, like wiggle room for you to have your own interpretation of what's happening. Yeah. I thought um, it was really fitting that this movie did that. Yeah, what they kind of um, present is that, you know, the, do you want, you know, you're not going to get rid of drugs. It's not going to mm-hmm. stop being a problem. And then Josh Brolin even says something like that, you know, until people stop smoking and snorting this crap, it's not going to stop being a problem. And so right. it's like, do you, who do you want in charge of the drug trade? Do you want these violent people who are murdering and slaying people by the thousands, you know? And that, I mean, that's if you know anything about this, the history of Juarez, that area, it's like a certain period of time, like three years, it was like 10,000 people killed or something. 
Yeah. It's just insane. And it's, so it's like, yeah. do you want those people in charge or do you want the less violent cartels in charge? You know, right. do, do you, do you want somebody that we have nominal control right. it's like, or influence with, or do you want somebody who's operating completely outside of anything that we can do? Uh, one of the things I really liked was, um, so she works in, she, she basically bats cleanup, right? Like they go after these small time, right. uh, crimes, uh, medium-sized crimes like they're not actually hitting the cartel where it's going to hurt they're not managing to shut down any supply lines they're they're literally just picking up pieces and moving them around um and so i thought it was like that it was actually like he actually says to her you know how much of a difference do you think that you're making like when you do these little things um victor garber says you know we prosecuted more cases last year than the previous two years combined and is it making a difference like are you actually seeing like do you work less like are there fewer murders? Is, are there fewer drugs on the streets? Um, and this is the only way, what they're doing, uh, they believe, is the only way to actually make that that impact. Um, which I just, it's the kind of sophisticated uh, take on the war on drugs that we don't typically mm-hmm. see in a movie. <laughs> like, well, yeah. It's no, 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 no. Do all these little piddly little bits. And then, you know, like, there's never a question of, can it be stopped or can it only be slowed or can it only be um, like, can we keep it going the way it is, but like with less murder? Yeah. Well, and I think that's the genre itself. It, it, a lot of the movies that have come before this are very much just violence for the sake of it and excess for the sake Mm -hmm. of it. And we're just going to tell this crazy violent story. And this movie, there is violence in it, but it is not violence just for the sake of it. It's violence that, is explaining the characters and who they are. And so it is that morality tale, and it is about her morals versus the morals of Benicio Del Toro or Josh Brolin. So it's kind of like they're not just shooting up people for the sake of it. And it's actually one of the, probably like the least violent (laughs) drug film I've seen in a long time. Because it's... Yeah, you know, I, I... Like, I feel like it was a really violent movie, but if I'm thinking about it, it's not. Like, there have been much higher body counts. There have mm-hmm. been much gorier movies. Um, and one of the things I really liked about Emily Blunt's character is that she assigns an emotional right. value to the violence that happens um, that the other characters don't necessarily do and that maybe the movie yeah. doesn't necessarily do. Um, but, yeah, like, she, as our proxy, like really gives an, a weight to these these murders well, that happen um, even as the movie and sort the, of like the scenes in the them. tunnels in an, another movie it would have just been you know these cartel guys and these soldiers getting brutally slaughtered for just for the sake of mm-hmm. seeing it on screen and we really don't see a lot of it on screen because we're getting two views we're getting Alejandro's view and we're getting Emily Blunt's view of it so you're not seeing things that you wouldn't see if you weren't in those tunnels. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just, like, right. bullets spraying and blood everywhere. Yeah. And bodies piling up. Yeah. I think, I now that I'm thinking about it, um, yeah. Spy, the Melissa McCarthy movie, had much uh, gorier, I think, cartoonish death in it than this one I have to say, I agree. Did. But that's because there's that scene where she fights the guy in and, like, breaks his ankle. And I just had an ankle injury, like, a month before oh. that, which you know. Yeah. And I I literally had to get yes. up and leave the theater and walk around. <laughs> like, take a breath. Oh, but, God. yeah. So I would agree that Spy had a lot more gratuitous violence in a way. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <sighs> but, yeah, and I think the worst of it, the worst of it, yeah. which I will not spoil, because you just have to see the movie if you're listening. And the worst of it comes very late in the movie, and mercifully it happens off screen, even though you see the aftermath of it. Yes. So it's like, it's yes. so shocking still, you don't need to see it. I think, yeah, I think and that was a, another really great choice to have that happen off screen. There was actually a lot of death that happened off screen, but you feel mm-hmm. the impact of it because you're so tight on Emily Blunt um, mm-hmm. or on Alejandro. Like, you never see him slash that guy's throat. Right. In the car. You just see what happens after. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I yeah. A, there's, death pervades almost every frame of the movie, but very little of it actually happens on screen. And it's, it's not, not gratuitous. Yeah. And it, it's not lingered on at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, this isn't, um, this isn't like a, like, there's no fetishization of. Right. Of Absolutely gore or not. death or killing. Um, Yeah. Or even sex. There's no... I mean, you get that a lot in cartel movies, yeah. too. There's always, like, women in bikinis mm-hmm. with their drug lord boyfriend, you know? And things like that. It's very... it's Or uh, storylines about rape that are involved in these things. And that's not in there as well. I mean, there's none of that. There is kind of that moment with Emily Blunt and John Bernthal, but it's not her being sexualized. Right. Gratuitously or anything at all. A woman wears, like, a gray t-shirt and pants. <laughs> and a granny bra. Yeah. Yeah. So, real sexy. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, I think we are both very firmly in the recommend you have to see this movie column. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely see it if you have not already. Yeah. The Deacons of it aside, because obviously we're going to recommend that you see every Deacons movie. I think... In theaters. Pay full price. Absolutely. Um, yeah. See, but this one, I just really, really great. And watch for it come Oscar season and get justifiably better with us when it doesn't get all the accolades that it deserves. Which has kind of become a common thing because, you know, Villanueva made Prisoners mm-hmm. and the only nomination it got was justifiably for Roger Deakins, but yeah. nothing else. And I was like, oh, that's such I still a good, can't believe that. Oh, such a good movie. I think, yeah. I think his time is coming, probably not this year, Villanueva, but I think eventually he's going to make that movie that hits the mark with the Oscar voters. Yeah. Because he's incredibly gifted. I mean, he it's obvious. He performances out of people that you, like, very strong performers, mm-hmm. but he brings something, he gets something extra out of them. Absolutely. It's really, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, it's coming. It should be this year, but it won't be, but we'll watch for it. It'll happen. We'll be, we'll feel, like, really vindicated when it does, though. We'll be like, see, yes. we told you years yes. ago. Yeah. Yes, you'll hear our cries of jubilation through the streets um, on Oscar night. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. That I think that does about does it for us this week. You can uh, find us. Let us know what you think about Sicario. Um, and if you came out of it shipping anybody with very inappropriate feelings, like maybe somebody on this podcast did. I'm not going to name any names, but it was me. Oh. Um, you can find us on the web at realbossybritches.com. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at Britches Podcast. You can find us on Facebook somehow. I don't know the name of the page, but we're there. <laughs> And you can uh, rate and review us on iTunes as well. 
you can find me individually on Twitter at OC Ferrer. And Lisa, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter as well, at It's Lisa E. And I have a blog that's linked in my profile. I write about a lot of horror movies. I actually, if on that blog, last year I did a series about Roger Deakins. I wrote a post for all of his Oscar-nominated movies and also Revolutionary Road. So I talked about a lot about his work, and I get a lot of my bitterness out about not winning. So I wrote that last <laughs> year. The Roger Deakin Project is on my blog, so. Fantastic. Yeah, and that is a really great read, and I, I, I strongly suggest uh, that everybody go and check that out. Well, Lisa, thanks for joining me this week. and uh, Thank you for having me. We will talk to everybody later. Bye.